Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone. I'm Tom Hannafin, and welcome to Pater, a Penn State football show. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pater. Now, we're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA. However, we want to let you know about some Funk Brewing beers that are available now. The Silent Luau Hazy IPA is out right now in Funk's tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown in York, and it's on the way to your favorite grocers and beer distributors. Also, the cruising Belgian-style white ale is available now as well. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Also, Paydirt is brought to you by our partners at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and use our promo code Believe, that's B L E A V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Pater is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. And of course, we encourage you to head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.believe.com and search Pater for both t shirts that are official for the Pater podcast, the Pater football show you're gonna love it one is available in white navy and black it has the official show logo over the heart and then the other has the pay dirt name on the chest and on the back it's got matt mcgloin's name and number it's perfect if you're a penn state football fan again go to shop.believeblev.com and search pater um, I am flying solo on this because this is definitely a emergency podcast in reaction to the huge news that came out yesterday that USC and UCLA are officially joining the Big Ten Conference as of 2024. This was a rumor uh, early in the day on Thursday, and then it came out as official later in the afternoon. The ramifications of this are gigantic, and it raises so many different questions. So let's just start with the basic makeup of what the Big Ten is about to look like. All right. So you're going to have Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, Rutgers, uh, Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, Purdue, Wisconsin. And now you're going to add in USC and UCLA for a lot of long-time Big Ten fans, this is unbelievable simply because this used to be a sport that was aligned based on, you know, the map. So for there to be teams that are based in California in the Big Ten is absolutely astonishing to a lot of football fans. Now, the truth about college football at this point in time is that the map really doesn't matter anymore. In fact, the number within Big Ten didn't hasn't mattered for years. So what's the difference? This is a huge power play, and we've seen so many of these over the last few years in terms of constant conference realignment, opportunities for schools, networks, conferences, et cetera, to just make more money and get in front of more eyeballs. It was very clear that what was going on with USC, I think more in particular than UCLA, is just that USC was coming up. The Pac-12 was losing its power. Obviously, we all know the powerhouse conference is 
the SEC, as much as Big Ten fans are probably upset about that, it's the truth. The SEC is probably the most powerful uh, and most dominant conference in college football. And then it's the Big Ten. The Big 12 has made some moves here and there to try and remain relevant, especially in the wake of Texas and Oklahoma, as a tandem going to the SEC. And that brings me to USC and UCLA, is that as a tandem, there is value in this rivalry, not nearly as much cachet as the Red River rivalry. I just mentioned Texas and Oklahoma. Those are two schools that have the opportunity to be real powerhouses. UCLA, it's more legacy, and they've also had some improvement as of late under Chip Kelly and look like they're moving in the right direction and, frankly, could really compete very well with, I'd say, at least half to 60% of the Big Ten reasonably. And then USC, all the changes that they have had under Lincoln Riley, they look like they're poised to really turn their program around in a big way, perhaps as early as this season. Now, I mentioned Lincoln Riley, and this is where you really need to start unpacking some things. In a matter of a handful of months, Lincoln Riley goes from the Big 12 at Oklahoma then goes to the Pac-12 and takes the job at USC and is now a part of the Big Ten as of 2024. There was plenty of speculation that when Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma to go to USC, it was that he was ducking Oklahoma's move to go to the SEC. That argument could still be made because USC um, looks like it's far better positioned to do anything now with Lincoln Riley at the helm, but also that Oklahoma without Lincoln Riley and going into a very crowded SEC, it was going to be much harder for Oklahoma to make it into the college football playoff. So by going to USC, this was before even going to the Big Ten Conference was being discussed, it already looked like, oh, okay, USC is going to be you know, very top-heavy within the Pac-12 and really be able to make themselves a good argument to be able to get into the college football playoff. Now the speculation has got to be, how long has Lincoln Riley and UFC been talking about this? How long has the discussion been happening between USC and Lincoln Riley of, hey, if you come here and you leave Oklahoma, we're thinking of leaving the Pac-12 in you know about six months. Why don't you come sign on and we'll eventually be a part of the Big Ten. We'll get through a couple years uh, with the Pac-12. We'll do our best. We'll build up a recruiting base. We'll get better, et cetera. Lincoln Riley's going to work his magic there in SoCal. And then in 2024, we'll hit the Big Ten like a meteor out of space. So that kind of seems like potentially what happened. I can't wait to see what sort of uh, information leaks out of this because I I would be astonished if that wasn't the case. Leaving Oklahoma, one of the best jobs of those blue chip schools, one of the best jobs in college football, you could understand getting away from the SEC because you didn't want to deal with that just log jam of schools. But now you're set up perfectly within the Big Ten. And and you think about the Big Ten, what it could be in 2024, right? I think we all understand Ohio State, probably Michigan are going to be there consistently every single year. Then it's kind of a crapshoot in terms of where's Penn State? going to be at in this mix. And I don't think anybody's really expecting Penn State to be better than necessarily, uh, you know, you can say Iowa, Michigan State for sure, Wisconsin, probably Minnesota. And this is probably where you're going to find Penn State, right? So all of a sudden, USC catapults itself in 2024 to the top 
of the Big Ten. And I don't want to completely forget about UCLA, but let's be real honest. The crown jewel of this acquisition is USC. UCLA is going to be right in that mix, making life difficult in terms of postseason play for the likes of Penn State, for the likes of Iowa, Minnesota, Michigan State, the list goes on and on. So that's just something to look ahead to. But here's the really complicated part about this. And I am about to go down the rabbit hole in terms of what we're looking at in college football. For many years, it's been talked about that we're going to start seeing these power conferences, these super conferences. The SEC is going to branch off. There was rumor even the Pac-12 was going to branch off or the Big 12. And now it looks like we're going to have these two mega conferences with the Big 10 and the SEC. And it begs the question, do these conferences need the NCAA anymore? Now, the real kings in this entire business at this point are the television networks. Now, in regards to the Big Ten, Fox has their first pick of what teams they want to be able to broadcast. So now having USC as a bargaining chip right in their backyard in Los Angeles is going to be huge for them. Um, so now that's that's a big piece for them. You've also got Michigan and Ohio State and whoever shakes out in the Big Ten as well. You have two gigantic rivalry games for Fox that you can promote in terms of USC and UCLA. That's got so much history to it. Plus, of course, the game of Michigan and Ohio State every single year. So you've got these things under your umbrella. And then, okay, the Big Ten, Fox gets first pick. Then ESPN picks up some of the ancillary games, and now it's trickled down to the Big Ten Network for the games that don't make it onto those broadcasts. Okay, flip over to the SEC. CBS gets the big time game. ESPN gets the trickle down. SEC Network, you see where I'm going with this, right? There was an article that came out yesterday as well is that because of this move, USC and UCLA uh, going to the Big Ten, that all of a sudden Apple is very interested in the Big Ten. So what is the likelihood that in a handful of years, determining the national champion is not going to be based on the entirety of the country competing their best to make it into the top four, but rather that a network like, let's say, Apple or let's say Amazon, whatever you pick, that they pick their conference, whether it be the Big 12, Big 10, SEC, Pac-12, whatever it is, but Let's say for our arguments, Fox takes Big Ten, and then you've got CBS is holding on to the SEC, right? If you aren't a part of either of those, and you're not on those networks, you don't see those games. There's the very high likelihood that exclusivity becomes the dominant force, and that all of a sudden, if you're these major platforms, and let's not rule out Apple and Amazon, say Apple dives in and grabs the Big Ten, then all of a sudden, if you don't have Apple, you don't see a Big Ten football game. And more importantly, in competing for the national championship, does it have to be some sort of agreement between, you know, first say it's Apple and Amazon, that it's like, oh, well, the SEC and the Big Ten winners will play each other for the national championship in a dual broadcast between these two gigantic networks or something like that. And then it's everybody else out on their own adrift. You're looking at a model where the NCAA doesn't matter anymore. And frankly, the NCAA has been embattled for so long. It's not out of the ordinary to think this. 
that they've made bad decision after bad decision. The NIL monster that got let out of the box was because of their own inaction. So now you're at a point where you're looking at college football and all of a sudden it's not necessarily dominated by who are the best players on the field or who's the most, you know, the best team or something like that. Is that are you in the right conference on the right television network? And then for those schools that I mentioned that could be adrift, and unfortunately those players who are hopefully trying to make it to the next level, or even if you go to college and you're like, oh, I'd like to win a national title. It's like, that's great. Hopefully you play for one of the 32 schools that actually have a chance to do it. So now you have basically the official minor leagues of the National Football League just kind of brought down a bit. So if you're not, for instance, in one of these two mega conferences, the SEC, the Big Ten, all of a sudden, it's kind of like for those of you that pay attention to English Premier League soccer, they have two different leagues. They have a top league and a bottom league. I don't know what the official names are, but basically, if you don't play well in the top league, you get relegated to that lower league and you then have to work your way to make it into that top league, the English Premier League. If I'm butchering all these, I apologize. I am just not the most dedicated soccer fan. But now let's think about this come 2024, once this is official, and you look at, for instance, the makeup of the Big Ten. So you're adding UCLA and USC. You've got Ohio State. You've got Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa, Penn State, Minnesota, in terms of these are the schools that are probably consistently going to be competitive, that are going to have probably winning records and garnering a lot of money for the Big Ten Conference. So year to year, our schools that are on the fringe all of a sudden in trouble of risking, quote unquote, relegation, as I just put it. So imagine if you're Indiana and you don't have a good year. Do you get bumped and all of a sudden the Big Ten's like, we're going to call Utah. We're going to call them up. We're going to call Oregon. We're going to call them up. Somebody all of a sudden bows up in the Big 12 and is, oh, we're going to go get Texas Tech, whoever the hell it is. You know, it, it could be anything. And the, and the list goes on and on. Like, think about how lucky Rutgers is to be a part of the Big Ten Conference right now, and especially going into 2024. So if Rutgers and, for instance, like Illinois struggle mightily, what if Northwestern it hurts, if this competition really you know affects them uh, legitimately over time? Nebraska, if that doesn't turn around, granted, a, a ton of legacy uh, behind Nebraska, a ton of history and a lot of money as well. But is that going to be enough if they're not winning on the field? Do you all of a sudden see these teams bumped out? Then uh, I talked about the SEC becoming some sort of mega conference. But, I mean, look at schools, for instance, like Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, uh, South Carolina. I mean, Kentucky has been good recently. Missouri, Mizzou has certainly struggled. But, like, you have enough schools in there that you're like, hmm, if you can go get somebody that is not in the two mega conferences and bring them in, there's a lot that can be played with here. And all of a sudden, the complexion of college football – is very, very different. It's the haves and the have-nots. And the haves is very, very small. And the have-nots is gigantic. So uh, I know that's really far down the rabbit hole in terms of what this could be. But at some point, we're, we could be looking at a national championship model that is just the Big Ten conference winner. By the way, the Big Ten's already been discussing getting rid of the um, the divisions within the Big Ten. So Imagine in a handful of years, it's just USC versus Ohio State. 
USC versus Michigan, Michigan uh, versus uh, Michigan State. I mean, there's all sorts of opportunities in there, but like it, it could really change the landscape of the Big Ten forever. Um, th- this is huge, and and I think you know there was a the, the, the statement put out by USC's athletic department that oh you know this is the right decision for our students and the Big Ten's known for academic excellence. This was about money. Let's not kid ourselves. When $50 million plus is on the table, it's the right decision. The Pac-12 has not been doing as well as of late. You certainly weren't going to go to the Big 12. And now you've got the SEC continuing to pile up really, really talented schools. These players are going to continue to make the decision to go to these power conferences so that they can get more eyes on them. And then, of course, we always talk about on this show, name, image, and likeness benefits to be able to get more money. And it's going to be even more and more competitive to actually make it into those schools because everybody and their brother wants to go to potentially those top 32 schools. So this is a mega shift in the world of college football that I don't think we're fully going to realize for several years because I do think there are going to be some major changes. You're going to see things in terms of television networks that really start shifting in the way that you as a fan consume college football. But at the same time, how we determine a national champion, because the arguments that we're all having now in terms of teams that don't make it into the college football playoff. Well, imagine if your team is really good and you just happen to not be a part of one of those two conferences at some point. Are you even in the conversation? Uh, do you hopefully your players get an opportunity at the next level? Hopefully they have chances to make lots of money uh, with name, image and likeness. But this is really going to change things. So um to Lincoln Riley and uh, Chip Kelly, they're they're going to be diving into something pretty exciting. And, and listen, by twenty twenty four, let's see if they're both there. <laughs> like I would be shocked if Lincoln Riley wasn't there, but who knows how things could go with Chip Kelly? It's just that's kind of the way college football goes. Somebody could bounce around and go somewhere different. But we're looking at the Big Ten drastically changing. And then to bring this back to Penn State, because that's what the show is about. It's about to get a lot more competitive. And there has been a lot that we've discussed about on this podcast in terms of where Penn State is at in terms of infrastructure for name, image, and likeness benefits. They are built as a university to accommodate for every athletics program, which is great. I I referenced a recent interview on Blue White Illustrated. My good friend Thomas Frank Carr from over there uh, interviewed Jason Belzer, who's the uh, unofficial general manager of the Name, Image, and Likeness Collective for Penn State, known as Success with Honor. And he's very happy about the infrastructure that Penn State has built uh, for success with honor and being able to get NIL benefits for members of the wrestling team, which is already dominating. And you don't necessarily need to sell a kid who wants to wrestle at Penn State. Oh, by the way, we have NIL benefits like great. Kale Sanderson is still there. It's still the best program potentially in all of college sports. Meanwhile, Penn State is behind by their own admission on name, image, and likeness fundraising, something to the tune of maybe $2 million in success with honor. Meanwhile, Ohio State's talking about they're going to need need $13 million. What whatever their number is that they actually have in the bank remains to be seen. But a lot of these other schools, top-end schools, top 32 schools as well, their name, image, and likeness benefits programs are focusing on two things, football and men's basketball, because they pay for everything else. So while they're gathering together funds for this, Penn State is worrying about every other last sport. 
and trying to get their infrastructure built so that things are prepared for the long haul. There's nothing wrong with that, but it does show you that in terms of progress, you don't have a lot of time because once 2024 arrives, I am very curious to see what the shift is, not only in terms of what the conferences are doing with their television opportunities, what networks are they on? Are they exclusive to certain networks? Are they allowing their footage to be in different places? Do you then as a consumer have to purchase certain networks in order to see your favorite school and players play? And simultaneously, do we even need the NCAA after this? It's really exciting. It's a very exciting time with college football. So uh, thank you all for joining me here on this emergency edition of the podcast. Uh, we will be back this Wednesday. Uh, former Penn State defensive back Justin King will be our guest. And of course, we will be back on ESPN Radio State College this coming Thursday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, buckle up in the Big Ten because it's going to be exciting. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.